You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. The Eagles are at the podium, well, sort of, and we have it covered here for you thanks to the fine folk at SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. I am your host, Michael Kist. Follow me on Twitter at Michael Kist NFL. That's K-I-S-T. And make sure you're following at BGN underscore radio on Twitter. And make sure you're subscribed to the feed so you don't miss out on the most comprehensive coverage of your beloved Eagles as we work through this all-important offseason. We do not have a press conference for you today, but we do have a conference call with Howie Roseman as he spoke with various media outlets about the Eagles offseason, including topics like the inactivity at the wide receiver position, thoughts behind some recent signings, how the current restrictions going on in America will impact the draft process, and tons more. Of course, there are takeaways on this call up at bleedinggreennation.com, and I'm sure Jimmy Kemsky and Brandon Lee Gowton will be breaking this down on an upcoming BGN radio, so check all of that out. So let's join Howie Roseman right now from Thursday, March 26th, for his conference call with the media. Moving back and bringing back Rodney. Rodney was really important for us to sign, to have somebody um, who we can really can run the show back there. And uh, another year removed from the ACL surgery. I think sometimes when you look at Rodney, he's always doing his job. He's always in the right place. And, um, you know, we've been very fortunate to have him. And we're excited about him and taking another step forward also with his leadership ability. Jalen Bell was bringing him back to was important for us. Uh, we feel like Jalen is a positionless player. He can really play um, down in the box. He can cover a tight end. He can cover a slot receiver. He can play out wide. He's got range. He's played the position before. You know, when we were scouting him, he played it. Uh, he played the safety position against Alabama in a huge game for LSU. Uh, so we've seen him do that and. Uh, his versatility, his mentality is something that we wanted to keep on the defensive side of the ball. Um, now moving to the corner position, uh, the big move for us, obviously, the Darius Slay trade um, and extension. This is a guy, another guy that we feel like we really knew, uh, know well. Uh, one, we did a lot of work with him coming out. You know, both him and Hargrave were two guys that um, were kind of the, the two guys we were looking at at, at specific spots. Uh, about during the draft, we were down to two guys and making a decision on, on two guys. And, and so we had spent a lot of time with him in the pre-draft process. Um, obviously, Jim coached him at Detroit, drafted him in Detroit, and we have some guys from that staff, uh, Wash, Burt, who were with him in Detroit as well. Uh, Flex played with him. So we feel like we know the player. Um, you know, that helps kind of when you're doing this and, and as opposed to arranged marriages that we feel like we know him, we know his mentality. Um, this is a guy who can get the ball back for our, our offense. Uh, he's really been in a situation where he's been left on an island. He's 29 years old. Um, you know, getting the contract extension done was important to us as well. Really excited about bringing him in. 
uh, and helping our team. And with the, what we did up front, the defensive line, we think that will really help our back end as well. It all starts up front for how we want to build it. Uh, and then yesterday, uh, signing uh, Roby Coleman. He's a guy that we've admired from afar. We've admired his mentality. He's explosive. He's quick-twitched. Um, he's extremely competitive. Obviously, again, he was with Jim in Buffalo. He's also with our, our new uh, director of performance, Ted Rath, in L.A. So we got a really insight, into, a good insight into how this person player works, what are the tools that he has in his body. And, um, you know, we really feel like he, he's a guy who can provide sticky coverage in the slot. And uh, we were excited about getting him uh, as we continue this free agent process. Les, why don't we start with you? You had a question that a lot of people also had, and then we'll go to uh, McManus next. Age before okay. 80, Les. Yeah, exactly. Hey, Howie. Uh, so, obviously, you haven't addressed the wide receiver position in free agency. I know it's a really great draft for uh, wide receivers, but there were a lot of guys there that you could have brought in. Uh, how do you see that? What was your rationale on passing on those guys? Yeah, the thing that we get now is um, we have all the information now after the fact that, um, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. So uh, looking at some of what goes on now and the value and prices of guys changes through this free agency period different than maybe what it was even a week ago. So we don't have the benefit of that when we're making our decisions on, on where prices are and where they're going. You can only deal with them kind of at the moment that you're making these calls. So I think for us, when we went into the first couple of days of free agency and the options that we had, um, we felt like the quickest way to improve our team and we got improved. We wanted to improve a lot of areas on both sides of the ball. And we were trying to combine it with maybe the opportunities available to us in the draft as well. And so um, I think that goes for the receiver position. You know, we had conversations with all these guys that you've seen at the same time, I, I think we do view the receiver position maybe then that's different than that's publicly viewed. You know, I understand where we were towards the end of the year and who was out there, and we got to increase the talent level, but we're also excited to get some of those guys back um, who were not healthy, and we're also excited for young guys to take another step. Now, that doesn't mean that we're done addressing it, that we're not going to look for opportunities to improve that position, but... You know, we don't have the luxury of just kind of being in a vacuum and just looking at the receiver position. we got to kind of deal with the information as we get it. And I think that um, overall, we're happy with where we are right now, knowing that we still have other areas to improve. Okay, McManus, and then uh, go ahead and move after that. Hey, Howie, how do you think the, uh, the, the unique environment that everybody's operating in right now, where you can't go out the pro days, bring people in, uh, will affect uh, the type of players that are drafted and, and how teams are, are choosing players, and uh, specifically, how do you think that's going to impact small school prospects? Well, one of the good things is that we're all dealing with the same rules, so it's a level playing field. So whatever everyone else is dealing with, um, we are as well, and vice versa. Um, what we're trying to do is accumulate as much information as we possibly can, uh, and the one benefit we have right now is that guys are, are willing to work and dig deeper and spend more time than ever on these guys and trying to figure them out. But there are situations where guys didn't run at the combine because they were anticipating running at their pro day or, um, you know, you have a, a guy who wasn't invited to the combine that we are interested in and maybe you don't ever have testing numbers on that guy. So, 
I think that you're going to have to balance the risk reward in the draft process about, uh, for us, you know, we do it like a seesaw. We'd like the subjective and objective to kind of match up and we feel really good about, about that decision. And when there's less on one side, then you want to take out some of the risk to the extent that you can. So, um, I think as we go forward here with draft meetings, that's some of the stuff as we look at our board that we're going to have to, to balance and try to figure out because it's new for us as well. And for the small school prospects, do you think that there's going to be fewer of them taken because of that? Well, did the small, it's, I, I think it depends. I'm not trying to be flipping about the, the question, but did the guy go to sure. the bowl game? You know, did the guy, did the guy go to the combine? Are there, is there any testing out there with that guy? Um, but, I do think it, it, there will be some effect uh, in terms of, you know, uh, the guy who didn't go to a bowl game and never tested. Um, I think that that person may be affected in a different way. Okay, we'll go Rube and then uh, Dave Figueroa. So many of your moves have involved the secondary. You brought in new guys. You, you've re-signed a couple of your own guys, uh, letting Malcolm go. Um, how 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 con- how conscious were you going into this whole process of we really have to revamp the secondary. And, and what made you, I mean, it's really been the focus of the whole offseason. Um, what, what made you think that and what did you see last year and, and, and how big a kind of rebuild is it? And I guess part B of that question is just where do Sydney and Rasul fit into that whole picture? And the first part is it's hard when um, you're watching games and the, and the ball is getting thrown over your head. And uh, you're also not getting an opportunity to get the ball back. And that hurts the offense. That hurts the defense. And, uh, you know, like all of you, uh, you're watching it. I'm watching it. And we're seeing the effect that has. And, and the first way that we want to improve that is up front and affecting the quarterback because these guys are so good in the National Football League that if you don't get pressure on them, nobody's going to be able to cover for a long period of time anyway, no matter how good – your secondary is. So we wanted to really combine the front end and the back end. Uh, that was a really our priority. By getting Hargrave and adding him to our D-line, it allows us also to utilize other guys in different situations. For example, you know, Malik's a guy who can crush the pocket from the outside as well and win working the edges inside. So he's got some versatility. Uh, you know, we got Brandon Graham who's done that as well. So it increases the, the versatility of our front. Um, we have some young pass rushers on the outside, too, that we're excited about getting an opportunity to take the next step. You know, it, it was interesting to us just watching through free agency and seeing um, that some guys that we've taken on the offensive line, them getting a, um, getting paid in free agency, whether it was Dennis Kelly who drafted in the fifth or Vitae. And so we feel like, you know, maybe our defensive line can take the same step forward as, as some of our young offensive linemen do. And uh, that's not to say that um, they haven't gotten to that point because we've had experienced defensive ends in particular. But our offensive line and Coach Stalin has done a tremendous job of getting those guys and, and giving them an opportunity to go somewhere else and make a lot of money. So um, I think the, the first part is that we're trying to combine uh, the free agency trade market with the draft too and, and try the best we could to figure out what may be available to us in the draft and how we can fix things. Um, of course, it's not a, a perfect process and we don't want to start reaching based on position, but when we looked at, at the opportunity uh, in free agency to get some of our guys back, and obviously we lost a, a very valuable guy in Malcolm too, 
Um, we felt like that was the quickest way to address it and give us some more flexibility at some other positions that we still want to address. Um, as Ruby, you asked about Sydney and Rasul. Yeah. You know, I think that um, they're they're in two different situations. Um, you know, for us, Sydney is a guy that uh, he he really has to have the opportunity to have an off season where instead of rehabbing, he's really working uh, on his body and coming into camp and, because we do feel like this is a guy that when we've seen him healthy, he does have a skill set and uh, he's got to go prove it. This is, this is now really uh, his, his third year uh, when we look at it of playing because of that first year. And so it, it's time for him to go prove it. Whereas Rasul has, has a body of work uh, that's kind of been put out there. And so for him, he's just got to keep, continuing to work on it and competing. And um, so I would say they're probably in a, a little different situations. Thank you. Okay, we'll go Zangaro and then uh, Mike Jay. Hey, Howie, I wanted to uh, follow up on the receiver question from earlier. Um, I understand you guys prioritize defense in the early wave of free agency. Uh, wondering why that was the preference over receiver, which is an obvious position of need. And is there some risk in waiting this long to address that position? Yeah, I don't know that you can fix everything in one off season, Dave. And um, I understand the passion about receiver, and um, I, I don't know that it was necessarily that we put more of a preference on fixing the defense than the offense. I think that we try to accumulate as much information about what was available to us and what we could do and get the players that we thought could make a difference. And where we were when we pulled the trigger on these deals, uh, it was it was obvious with the information that we had that these were things that we could do that improved the team, whereas um, where the market was at the receiver position, which I think has changed a little bit here in, in the past couple of days, was different. But, um, you know, I, I, I think when we look at where we are from a cap perspective, it's not really giving the sense of where we are going forward. And um, our, our cap guys and Jake and Bryce did a tremendous job of giving us cap flexibility this year in case that we were dealing with a 30% rule. But um, we're trying to figure out ways that we can make sure that we're not in, in a bad situation, not only this year, but going forward. So, um you know, I, I think that we're trying to balance all those things, and when we look at it, it, it is a priority of ours to make sure that we have weapons around our quarterback. Um, we feel really good about our tight end position. We think we, we have a tight end position that's as good as any in the National Football League. We feel really good about our young runners. We feel really good about our old line. And we do feel like we do have some talent at the receiver position. You know, um, uh, obviously the elephant in the room is Alshon. Uh, Alshon's got to get healthy. That's the number one priority for us and for him. He understands. He knows what's being said about him. He understands that um, he's got a lot to prove, and he's anxious to do that. Um, so he's not li- he's not living in a bubble. He understands that. Deshaun, Deshaun's a guy that uh, we think is incredibly talented. Obviously, only played one game last year. He's another guy, extremely driven, and uh, we feel like we have a good plan going forward for Deshaun and how he's going to look and. Um, we drafted a guy in the second round last year, and, and we know the biggest jump is year one to year two. Now we'll see how this all goes with the off-season programs. But, you know, J.J.'s a guy who, when we drafted, had some lower body stuff that he was dealing with, and now he's fully healthy, and he needs to take a big jump. 
And then Greg Ward, obviously, he showed those last few games and even in the playoffs that he's, he's a player. You know, he's got a great feel for route running. He's got great hands. And so I, I don't necessarily feel like the cupboard is as bare as maybe you're describing. Um, that doesn't mean that we're, we're ready to roll there um, because we got to look at every opportunity. But uh, I think when we look at the skill positions as a whole, we got some talent there, and we're going to try to look at, as we can every avenue to try to continue to improve it. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering, so you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13. Okay, we'll go uh, Mike K and then Jeff McClain. Hey, Howie. Um, you've got a lot of cornerbacks that can play multiple positions, specifically riding a lot of players that fit in the nickel corner uh, position. How does that positional versatility help you with utilizing play's ability to kind of travel around with the top threat uh, of the opposing team? Yeah, the, the skill guys in this league come in all different uh, shapes and sizes. And so I think when we're looking for how we're putting together a defense, we want to be able to not only match up with uh, the twitchy receivers in the slot, but also the bigger receivers outside and these tight ends have become such versatile weapons and they have these X-Men powers that they can separate um, by size and by speed and even by separating at the top of the route that they have become, as have running backs, become guys that you got to figure out how to cover them. It's not this traditional way where, you know, safeties and linebackers are covering tight ends anymore. You have to match up with these guys. And so, um, being able to get as many guys who can cover and cover different uh, body body types is important to us as as we try to put it together. And um, staying with the most important priority to us is being really strong up front. So um, that's kind of how we try to build it here as we looked at, at the opportunities to improve. And um, hopefully it shapes out that way in fall. Okay, we'll go Jeff and then Bob Gross. Uh, Howie, getting back to the secondary and, and how you've revamped it, it's possible that you could have uh, four or five of the you know the main guys, including the nickel, playing uh, new faces or playing new positions. If Jones to safety or Avante moves to the outside, um, you know we, we 
you've been down this this path before in remaking the secondary, uh, and uh, you know it hasn't always turned out well. Why do you, why do you believe this is going to be the time you finally get it right? Well, I I don't know if you got to give me an example of the year that you're you're talking about specifically um, because I think there were different. Obviously, you know, being a young GM coming out of a lockout um, with a new coordinator, I think is a different circumstance than having a coordinator who's been here since 2016 with a lot of the guys who played in his team. Um, so you talk about guys like Jalen or Roby Coleman or Slay, and these are guys that. Um, have a perspective of what we're doing. You know, the second part about that is, and I'm just using that, I don't know if that's the example you're using, Jeff, but uh, I, I'm just using that because I think when we look at it right now, what we're in is a, a situation that's probably most analogous to 2011. And I think the big difference is you weren't allowed to talk to your players at all. There was no communication allowed with them. And um, no matter what happens here, I, th- I, I think we all anticipate that they'll be allowed to communicate because we have a league year, and so you're allowed to communicate with those guys. So I think we're off to, to a different start um, because of some of the familiarity, and, and we put that into play when we were trying to make these moves. I, if I could just follow up, I'm wondering if you changed the, the evaluation of the position cornerback. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I'd say, you know, going back to 2017 and when you draft guys in the second and third round and now you're in the fourth year, you obviously want them to contribute. You know, if they don't contribute, then you're dealing with a situation where you have to go outside the organization. Now, let's just, uh, let's be honest, let's call spade a spade. There's no doubt about it. And um, I think when we were looking at, at those guys, uh, coming out, just talking about Sydney, um, we knew the talent level that Sydney had shown in college, and we also knew that um, he was dealing with an injury, and that we were taking a chance on, on a guy that had to recover, and we felt like if we redshirted him, we could get him back to where that was, and we've seen flashes of it, but we've got to get more consistent with it, and I think that um, Sydney knows this is a pivotal year for him, pivotal offseason, because last year, even last year, he was rehabbing from something, so um, that's big for him. And when we drafted Rasul, we saw the ball skills, we saw the lane, um, and we were looking for somebody who could get us the ball back uh, for that position. Now, I think that as we've evolved here, we've seen that um, if we can play more man coverage, if we can play more sticky coverage, that that gives you more flexibility up front too, where maybe you just don't have to rush for it. And I think Jim would probably be a better person to talk to about this, but I think that gives you more flexibility. So, you know, just as the game has evolved, I think that uh, for us, it's also evolved. You know, you saw us playing more with three safeties uh, the last couple of years and also having safeties who have some corner backgrounds, you know, like Jalen does. So uh, I, I think you got to constantly evolve and, and try to look at some of the things you've done and try to learn from them and try to be better because, you know, you're not going to be 100% in this business, unfortunately. Okay, we'll go Bob and then uh, Nick Vieira. Okay, you got a lot of new faces, <clears throat> excuse me, already, and then uh, possibly more with eight draft picks. There's some new coaches on the staff, and uh, and obviously a limited off season for everybody. What can you do to? Can you talk about the challenge of dealing with that and having everything ready to to roll by by opening day, whatever that is, and uh, and also what you can do to mitigate that, or is it a 
or is it an advantage to, to be breaking in all these new guys because everybody is kind of dealing with the same thing? Well, in terms of what we're dealing with versus what everyone else in the world is dealing with, I, I think it's, it's the least amount of challenges. You know, we're very fortunate that during this time we still have something to work on and, and communicate about. And uh, I don't, I don't want to put our situation in the same way about what, you know, millions of people in our country are dealing with because um, we still have, are having a pre-agency. We're still having a draft period. And so we're all still communicating. So um, saying that, I, I think that we're very fortunate that we're able to all communicate with each other. Um, we've over-communicated. That's always how we've been as an organization. We've always tried to be collaborative about it. Um, and I think that at the end of the day that, you know, we just got to continue through that process and, um, we do have some new faces on our coaching staff, but at the same time, you know, offensively, we're going to be driven by Coach Peterson. And um, he's, he's not new. He's, he's an unbelievable coach, and so we have him. On defense and special teams, we're led by the same people who've been there since 2016. So, you know, we're not implementing new schemes. Uh, again, we have a lot of players that are coming back as well, so that will help. And then when we talk about position coaches, we have some new position coaches, and I, I think that, you know, sometimes having new energy is, is positive. Um, but I think when we look at it from a global perspective about where we are and, and what we have, uh, I don't know that we have as many moving parts as maybe some other teams. Okay, let's do Nick and then John Clark. Yeah, hi, uh, Howie. Um, I, I knew you were talking earlier about uh, the, the trouble you might be experiencing, you know, evaluating guys, especially the ones who weren't in the combine. So with that in mind, and I, it looks like the NFL is going to be moving forward with uh, having the draft to schedule. But would you be in favor of uh, postponing the draft? What's your position on that? Yeah, I, I think that whatever the league tells us the rules are, we'll be we'll be ready to roll. You know, that, that's a decision that's made um, over my pay grade, and uh, we've been spending a lot of time since last May really getting prepared for the draft. And so uh, whatever they tell us to do, we'll be ready to do. We'll go uh, Bo and then Damo. Uh, I know that these, these decisions aren't, aren't made in a vacuum, but can you just explain um, the willingness to give up the draft compensation and – uh, the new contract to Darius Slay while uh, not being willing to do that with, with DeAndre Hopkins. Yeah, I think uh, the, the Hopkins one, I, I get that this is a hot-button topic for, for us. Um, I, I think that, uh, again, we got to also look at it from the perspective of the other team and what maybe their ask is for us may be different depending on their valuation of players they get in trades or where draft picks are. So, it's not always apples to apples, and I'm not saying that as an excuse. I'm just saying the reality of the situation is that there are a lot of trades that you that we look at, and I'll call the GM and say, hey, you know, we talked about this. Why wouldn't you do it for this? And they'll say, well, I really like this player, or I like where this pick is. or So I think there's a lot that goes into it, and we're not always in control of the results on that. And then in terms of, of what – we did there with draft picks. Yeah, ideally we didn't want to give up any draft picks, but when we looked at the value of another player we could get and what he was making over a two-year period, plus the draft picks and plus some of the guys maybe we let go, we kind of looked at it, okay, you know, here's the options. You can have this guy, this guy, plus your three and your five, or you can come out with it and have, you know, Slay and Hargrave and 
McLeod and Parks and Roby Coleman. And so when we looked at that and the way to improve our team and where that goes from a resource perspective, you know, that's how we kind of made the decision. We didn't look at it just in a vacuum um, about kind of just, you know, one for one. We kind of looked at it, all right, here, here are four assets or four resources that we're letting go. You know, what can we do with those resources and, and what do we think makes more sense and makes the team better, not only this year, but going forward. And um, I think another part of it just, on trading for a player is also, you know, the difference about uh, the new money and extending guys and in, in a new money perspective who have years remaining on their deal and, and what that costs versus, um, you know, just ripping up a contract. And I'm not trying to be specific to anyone here because I certainly don't want to get tampering charges filed, but I'm just trying to give you more perspective. That makes sense. Thank you. Yeah, we'll go Damo and then uh, John McCollin. Yeah, Howie, uh, regarding the this year versus going forward question, uh, you look around the league, you see some teams that clearly, and based on uh, largely on the age of their quarterbacks, are kind of making a frontal assault here on, on 2020. I mean, you look at New Orleans, they don't have many more years of, of breeze, and so I don't know how much attention they're paying to the future. Uh, you're in a situation where you're trying to win now, and also look at the broader picture of, of, of staying a legitimate contender over the next five years. How big a challenge is that? And, and I mean, right now, do you see this team as a Super Bowl contender in 2020? That's the biggest challenge that, that we have and that I personally have is trying to balance what we're doing today with where we're going to be two, three years from now. And um, that puts me in a situation where sometimes I have to be the bad cop. And I understand that's my, my responsibility to make sure, you know, I, I think you would ask me three years ago and said, hey, um, here's the trade-off. You can win a Super Bowl, but you're not going to be able to compete for the next two or three years. You know, quite honestly, I probably would have signed up for that. Um, and I, I think that where we are now is that we would really try to do anything we possibly could to win a Super Bowl in the next couple of years. But we also realize that because of the nature of this game and because of how often you're dealing with injuries or things come across your plate during the season that you don't anticipate, you really can't put all your chips in the center of the table when you have a 27-year-old quarterback. And so we're trying to balance being in a position where every year we give our uh, team an opportunity to compete and um, certainly get in the tournament and then try to be as hot as we possibly can. But... You know, we saw it last year. You know, one play can change everything um, on both sides of that um, during the game for the good and for the bad. So we're trying we're trying to balance that and at the same time look at it and see areas that maybe we can grow together with the team um, and other areas where maybe the best way to improve the talent level in the next couple of years is to get some other guys from other teams. Then we'll go John and then Sal. Hey, Howie. Uh, just curious, you used the term uh, positional list player with Jalen Mills and kind of talked about the versatility of Will Parts as well and even uh, Jatavis Brown. From an evaluation standpoint, how, how much has that changed over your years to have those guys in the back seven that can do so many different things? Yeah, when I first came into the league, you had your traditional strong safety and traditional free safety you know, every team uh, who was running our style of defense, who was running a 43 defense, had three linebackers. 
Um, you're playing much more base defense than you are now. The nickel corner was probably playing 40% as opposed to 65 or 70. And, um, and tight ends, you know, you had more traditional wide tight ends where guys were keeping that guy in and making sure they can block at the point of attack. So the game has just changed. The game has gotten a, a lot faster and, uh, we have to be able to adjust some of our evaluations to it and also try to figure out where the next wave is coming where maybe something's undervalued right now and two three years ago we'll, we'll be ahead of it because this is, a, this is a trend-setting league and you want to be out ahead of the trends so um, those are the things that that make our, our jobs um, interesting and also challenge us okay we'll go to Sal and then Jimmy what do you know about where Carson Wentz is at health-wise whether he has cleared the concussion protocol and whether um, when you return for off-season activities, he will be cleared for all football activities or some football activities. Yeah, I, I think that um, I, I don't want to get into specific injuries or, or process for all those guys, but you know, Carson, when, when we get back, Carson is going to be leading this team, and uh, you know, we don't have any, any concerns about him in the off-season program when that resumes. and then as we go forward from any of that. And just as a small follow-up question, what do you know about what kind of off-season program you're looking at from uh, what kind of guidance you've gotten either from your owner or from the, from the NFL? Well, right now we just go with what the league's telling us that all facilities are closed. Is, is that the sixth or the eighth, Brett? I'm, I'm not good on dates, as you guys may know by now. The sixth or the eighth. And I, I just think that the world has changed so much, Sal. I, I have no idea what tomorrow is going to bring or two weeks from now. But um, I know that we miss we miss being together. Uh, we miss um, being around the people in our building. And um, certainly um, when we get the go-ahead to go do that and, and be able to bring players in, I think that's going to be good. And, um, you know, we're really excited about some of the changes we've made downstairs too, Sal. I know this isn't really what you asked, but – just from our perspective and, and bringing in, um, Ted Rath, who's our director of performance from, from the Rams. We think he's got a chance to really make a difference for our football team. And obviously Tom Hunkley as well, um, coming in and heading up our, our training room. So, um, for us, we, we really can't wait to get our hands back on guys whenever that, that goes forward. Thank you. Okay. We'll go, we'll go. We got time for a couple more. So we'll go Jimmy and then, um, Martin. And then uh, Ed Kraft. Hey, Howie. Um, I know you like Avante Maddox's versatility, but at 5'9", can he be a full-time outside corner? And if the season were to begin tomorrow, for example, is that where he would be? Well, you know, it's interesting because um, I, I grew up and admiring corners, Daryl Green's, Darren Glenn's of the world, and, and these guys – um, they're explosive, twitched up guys who had an incredible vertical and it, it's hard to get the ball on them. And, and Avante's got a lot of those same characteristics. I mean, you look at, at kind of his profile, his height, his length, and then you see like there, there's a guy who got drafted in the top five who's a very similar tail of the tape. Um, you know, I, I have it for you right now, Jimmy. Hold on. You give a second. I can give it to you. Um, uh, and so like, and nobody was talking about kind of him in, in the same, in the same way. So and this is a guy who was started on, on the outside for us in playoff games. 
he's, he's got the ability to have sticky coverage with receivers inside or out. Obviously, he's also played in the back end. Um, he's got a great mentality, and he's got a great physical skill set. I mean, he's an explosive switched-up guy as well. So, um, yeah, we, we feel like he, he's a guy who can play all over the secondary and, and certainly feel comfortable with him outside as well. Okay, go ahead, Martin, and then Ed. I was kind of curious, you know, on the offensive line, you lost Big B, you know, Jason Peters mm-hmm. was a free eight, and running back, you lost Jordan Howard. What are, what are your plans as far as, like, replacing those positions? I mean, is that something you'd wait till the draft? Can you still do something in free agency there? Um, just anything that you can share about that? Yeah, you know, it's... It, I think that offensive line, just like defensive line, is always going to be a focus area for us and always going to be an area that we're going to look to address. Um, I think it's more likely where we are in free agency that if we have any signings, they're going to be kind of, um, I put them in this nickel Roby Coleman category where it's, it's more along that than something that's going to kind of knock anyone's socks down from a resource perspective. Uh, not that we can't find guys who can still help us. Um, and when we look at our old line, yeah, we feel like we got, uh, we were really fortunate last year um, after the draft to get a couple of guys that we really like. And then uh, you got a guy like Matt Pryor who got tremendous experience and, and you just see, the value that he potentially can have as he continues to, to grow and get better and better, you know, playing in that game. And then Jordan's another guy that he he went on IR, but this is his third year. This is his time to really kind of step up. We think he's got it all in his body. He's got the versatility to play both sides. And um, when you look at, at really his talent level, it's off the charts, and he, he's learned from a great teacher. But we saw it in free agency. You could never have enough offensive linemen. You could never develop enough offensive linemen. And that would be our goal going forward to continue to have a pipeline of guys. We started eight offensive linemen last year. And, and as hopeful as we are that we go five for five during the season, we want to have a pipeline of guys and develop them. And, and we certainly feel like we got a coach who, who's shown the ability to do that at a high level. And is it the same at running back? Yeah, running back, you saw it in the last few games. Jordan is a heck of a player and and a great person and uh, happy for him that he got the contract he was. And it's a loss to our football team. Uh, But I think we saw in the last four games, you know, Miles and Boston, uh, their ability to really change the game. You know, Miles is a dynamic young player and and Boston is an explosive young player who, you know, he won an NFC Offense Player of the Week in that giant game. And, and uh, at the same time, we need to continue to add to that position. We only have three on the roster right now. And in the past few years, we've never kept less than five. So um, certainly we got to continue to add to that position. And, and the same thing on offense line, I, I'd add, you know, we only have right now 10 on the roster, and we've never kept less than 16. So both those spots, we got to continue to add, add players. Good uh, hey, thanks, Brett, for putting this together, and thank you, Howie, for carving out it's about 45 minutes of time right now. Um, I'm just curious, as far as uh, keeping in touch with the players, I mean, how, how frequently frequently do you check in on them or the coaches, and is there a concern that, you know, when things start to open again, that, you know, some guys are going to come in out of shape? 
Well, I think the first part about that is we are constantly checking in on our staff and making sure, uh, and our players, and just non-football-wise, I don't want to get in any trouble here, but just in terms of checking on them and making sure everyone's okay and that if they need anything, um, that we can help them. And the second part is that, you know, hopefully we've brought in players who understand that uh, they need year-round to stay in shape, that this is no more, no longer a situation where you come to training camp and, and you work yourself back into shape. And those are the things that we try to do. They have a training manual that was given to them when they left, um, with, uh, ideas on, on stuff that was all, that's also visual through their phones and through their iPads in terms of workouts. Because after we end the season, we're not allowed to get them back in the building unless they're rehabbing or, um, they're working out until the end of April. So um, I feel like we got a lot of players who are, are going to try to make sure they come back in the best physical shape they can be. And um, when we open it up, we'll go through that. We, we got time for one more. I'll, I'll, uh, I know you were trying to get another one. Oh, oh, oh wait, Fred. Yeah. Uh, Zach, remember, can I get a question? In? Yeah, we can do both. Oh, yeah. We can do both. Okay, yeah, you, you no got both. Yep. Uh, you can go first. Right, okay. I. Real quickly, Malcolm Jenkins, Howie, I know, uh, you know, you, you issued a statement and so forth, but, uh, I know the fans would like to hear exactly the rationale. Like, there was a, a, you know, he signed with New Orleans. It didn't uh-huh. seem like he had a tremendous amount of money. He certainly didn't get 14 million a year or whatever, you know, people were talking about. Uh, can you take us through that a little bit? It was, was there any chance you were going to bring him back, uh, part of this job is the fact that you have to make tough decisions and you got to figure out um, where you're going to do that and when you have uh, people and players that have given the team so much and really the city so much and, and me personally so much, these, these are hard things to do and so we're trying to balance what we can do this year and, and what we can do going forward and in terms of Malcolm um, yeah, I agree. You know, he, when he, he did the deal in a place that, um, and I, I think I saw him say this publicly that it was a place that besides us, that it was the only place he really would have done that. Um, but I, I think that it's just the nature of, of where we are right now as a sport. I mean, you see it with, uh, Hall of Fame players going and leaving their teams, um, quarterback, tight end. You just see it. You can't sign everyone. And, and for us, we had to make some decisions. We had conversations with his representative, and, and we understood what was important to him and what he was looking for. And we were trying to also trying to balance that with what we were trying to do in the off season. So um, at the end of the day, it's a very tough decision. Um, I have no doubt that he's going to go somewhere and continue to play at a high level. But we're in a position now with our team where we're going to have to lose some guys. And uh, we've seen it with teams in our division as well, having to lose guys. And it's just the nature of where we are because of the guys on our team that we've decided to pick. Allie, yeah, you remarked that we're asking these questions with the benefit of hindsight on some of these deals. And you also said you weren't able to do everything that you wanted to do. What went different than what you expected during these past, these past two weeks and, and how is where your roster now stand compared to maybe what you expected when you started this? Well, 
I think that there, when I say that, it's always going to be that way in preaching in the draft that it's never going to play out exactly how you would like it, ideally, to anticipate it. And, um, you know, I, I think that the first part is, I, I talked about it in January, Zach, and I, and I don't mean to kind of have a long-winded answer, but I think that, you know, as much as you want to show gratitude for past performance and loyalty, you have to also have one eye on the future. On the future. And so, um, when we looked at it, there's always guys that's sitting here now, uh, I don't know, a week into free agency, maybe a little longer if you count the tampering period, that you go, man, if, if I would have known that he was going to be this price, maybe I would have saved some cash, some cap room for that player. But you can only deal with the information as a whole. And when we went into free agency, we had a, a bunch of priorities that we we felt like we needed to come out with. You know, one was to make sure that we got a back quarterback um, who come in and be a resource for Carson and also play at a high level. We wanted to make sure that we felt like there was a surplus at defense tackle on the UFA market, and we felt like there was an opportunity there to potentially find a player who was a really good fit for us. You know, we wanted to find a way to get a corner who could really match up with the best players in the league, and uh, we feel like we did that. We wanted to get faster on defense. Um, we feel like we've done that. Um, we also wanted to make sure that if for some reason it wasn't going to work out with Malcolm, that we had someone back there who could continue to get us lined up and provide leadership, and um, we feel that we did that. Now, there are other positions, and, and I know there's one on top of your mind and Sam's mind, that maybe we thought that there would be an opportunity to improve on, and um, either based on what people were asking for at the time that we had to make decisions. We haven't done that yet, but, you know, I stress this, you know, I remember, uh, you know, in past years we've gone into the draft or even past the draft and we haven't had the, those positions filled, but, you know, our job has to be throughout the off season and up until the trade deadline to try to improve the team. And I think some of the things we've done this week has given us the flexibility to, to focus on certain areas and also to go into the draft and, and try to add the best players, not just based on position needs. Thanks, your Thank you.